It's breaking down the steps specifically and starting with the what so many times is what businesses neglect. They go right to the how. How do I do a podcast? How do I do a Facebook? Without first saying, okay, what do I want to accomplish? What's my goal? How am I going to get there? Which again, going back to what I said, the best companies do, they have a strategy and they have a plan. That's really what the what addresses. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your daily helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and we have a really knowledgeable and outstanding guest to share with you today. His name is Tony Guarnaccia, and he's helped thousands of businesses survive crises, whether it was post 9-11, during that recession, or amidst massive company acquisitions. Tony has helped businesses navigate the uncertainties and emerge stronger on the other side. There's a lot about his story that I'm not going to share right now because I want to go into it with you. But I will tell you that over his 20-year career as an entrepreneur, business owner, and enterprise marketer, he has worked with literally the best in class businesses in every industry, including Google, Microsoft, ADP, Ford, BMW, and Foster Grant, to name a few. He's helped grow over 10,000 small businesses and a dozen of Fortune 500 companies. There's so much more we're going to be able to get into, including his brand new book available today. Tony, welcome to the show. It is great to have you on The Daily Helping. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. Well, this is going to be awesome. I've been excited about this one as soon as your name popped up on my calendar. And I want to begin, I, I specifically said I omitted your story from your introduction. And now you've got a really cool story. So take us through the beginning and some of these things that really shaped you and, and influenced what you're doing today. Absolutely. So um, I grew up in small business. My parents had a small Italian bakery and they were fantastic bakers. They could bake anything, the best food, which is probably why I gained a few pounds, but amazing bakers. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't know what they didn't know about growing a business. And so at the age of 12, I found myself basically homeless. So we lost everything. We lost the business, lost the house, lost the car. And uh, the three of us, my mother, my father, and myself had to move in my oldest sister's basement. And so, you know, it was a tough time because, you know, I had to change high schools. There was a lot of embarrassment. You know, I had, I had to, you know, didn't have transportation the same way. Like I had to walk to the bus, so, you know, out of a, basically the garage. It was just, it was a very difficult time. I remember sitting at a desk when I was 12, you know, at this time writing uh, my homework, my, my term paper saying, you know, I don't want this to ever be my life. You know, this is not my destiny. And just really kind of meditating on that. Fast forward, you know, a bunch of years later, I go into college. Uh, and of course, uh, we had rebounded and I go to study entrepreneurship. Big surprise, right? Because, you know, looking back, understanding myself, I really wanted to redeem my past and not just my past, but also my parents. And so 
I left college and my, my graduation uh, assignment was to write a business plan. And so I wrote a business plan for an online bakery. So taking the same concept my parents had, you know, you know, 12 years earlier or 10 years earlier, and then turning that into a, uh, an online bakery. And so we took that concept and we, we changed it though. It wasn't just an online bakery. We came up with a technology to mail cakes. And so we came up with a pin structure. You could take this cake. It was frozen like a rock and you could literally throw the cake, which is great because that means we could ship a cake anywhere in the country and have it arrive perfectly. Uh, and then the cool thing is, is what came around was the technology to put a photo on a cake. And so we took and married the concept of a mailing a cake and this new photo cake technology and came up with a promotional products company and a, a gift company. And so through that, we bet one best new product at the New York Incentive Show and ended up winning amazing clients. So we mailed cakes to Microsoft, to uh, you know, Oracle, and even to celebrities like Jennifer Lopez and Jay-Z. So it was amazing. So here I am, 28 years old, thinking I've conquered the world. I got this down. And sure enough, I learned that I didn't know what I didn't know about growing a business. And so when I was 28, that business failed for a variety of reasons, which we get into. But essentially this time, it was me that was kind of out of luck. Uh, but it was worse for me personally because I was newly married and I had a baby on the way. So here I am having to move into my second sister's, her basement. So I move in there with my wife. We're surviving literally off of eBay. I sold all my Star Wars toys. I still sold my He-Man toys, just trying mm. to make it through until I could like make it. You know, and I said to myself, clearly, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm missing a piece of this puzzle. But who does know? Who actually knows how to grow a business? And that's what started me on my journey, a 10-year journey, to work with the absolute best companies in the world. So I went and worked with Ford, with ADP, uh, did a lot of work with Google, to the point where after that 10-year stint, I went back to my first love, which is entrepreneurship. I said, I want to now share what I've learned working with these great companies and share it with small businesses because so many fail. I mean, if you look at the numbers, 70, 80% of businesses fail within 10 years. And now, especially with COVID, you know, it's, it's really a, a tragedy. There's, there's a piece there that I'd love for you to clarify because how did you go from living in a basement selling Star Wars toys on eBay to getting even the opportunity to work with some of these best-in-class companies? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so one of the things I've learned early on is it's always easier to ride a wave instead of creating a wave. And so what I mean by that is there's certain waves or trends or changes in the world like we're having now. This is a you know kind of a cataclysmic change. There's so much going on. But what happened back then was one of the ways I marketed my bakery was through search engine optimization. And so... Nobody had heard of SEO. Believe it or not, when, when I lost everything, I was desperate for a job. And so what I did uh, when I was selling those eBay and Star Wars toys was I got a job at a car dealership to sell cars. I started learning you know, how sales works. But before that, when I, was, I, I had learned SEO to market my company. And so what I really wanted to do while I was working for the automotive company was find a job in search. Unfortunately, believe it or not, it's kind of crazy to think about this now, but there weren't any jobs. There was no jobs for SEO because nobody heard what it was. So when one popped up, I got hired basically that day. I started working the next day. 
And so what I did was I took a chance on a small marketing agency. And that agency served the automotive industry, which was perfect because I just came out of a dealership. And so I, had, I was their perfect candidate. I knew SEO and I, I was a car dealer. Uh, so I knew how to sell, sell cars. So I talked the lingo. And I, basically what happened was that little agency grew and grew and grew until the, until the point it was acquired by ADP, a Fortune 500 company. And then I found myself running the whole agency for the dealers. But then talking about looking at opportunities, I had a, a meeting with the CEO of ADP. Literally, the CEO of a Fortune 300 company I, I had a chance to work with. And so I took advantage of that opportunity as well, parlaying the one skill I really had down, with, which was SEO. I said to him, I said, how come when I Google your name, because Google was just coming around at that point, I said, how come you're nowhere to be found? And so he said, is that something you can help, it, help us with? And then very quickly, I became the, the, um, the person behind ADP's digital marketing. So simultaneously, I was running B2C, uh, automotive, uh, consumer marketing, and B2B, payroll, HR services, et cetera, on the corporate side. So it got me kind of amazing exposure literally overnight. That's amazing. And from that, I presume now that you, know, you had your hand in the ring and had made yourself indispensable to ADP, then it was easier to get access to some of those other large companies. Of course. Yeah. Opportunity begets opportunity. And so basically when I was with ADP, I got the opportunity to work directly with Google. I launched, uh, I was one of, I had Google's agency of the year in 2009 because we had such amazing um, results and ad spend. And I also beta, product, uh, beta tested a lot of products. So I actually was one of the first people to run a YouTube ad. Uh, so that was kind of cool. And then uh, I launched Google Radio, which doesn't even exist today. But Google had a whole radio department and we were the ones that launched that. Program. So I had a lot of... I actually, I even had a chance to build some software with Google as a beta project. So I had some amazing opportunities with some amazing companies just by not just being at the right place at the right time, but you want to be at the right place at the time prepared and also to actually take the opportunity. You know, to, when you see an opportunity to be positioned correctly because the timing of it is, is just as important as having the skill. Right, I, I like the way that you phrased that. So, so now you know you've got this ten years of wisdom, and you said you wanted to go back to the thing that you loved, with the, which was entrepreneurship and small businesses. Right. So, take us through, you know, what what happened next with this, with what you've learned in that ten year journey. How did you apply that to small businesses? Yeah. So, what happened was um, I had a great ride. I mean, I'm very blessed and, and appreciative for all that ADP have provided and all the different companies I work for. But it got to the point where I was traveling an awful lot and I wanted more of a lifestyle with my family. And so after a very large acquisition, we did like a $400 million acquisition. Um, and I was traveling literally almost weekly from one coast to the next, like from the East Coast to the West Coast, you know, multiple times a month. And I said, this is too much. Um, I want to I wanna do something else. Then sure enough, I got the opportunity to uh, either move to Seattle or stay in, uh, at the time, Rhode Island. I, I declined that and I had a severance package. So I leveraged that severance package to kind of go and start my agency, which is exactly what I wanted. And then I started, uh, so I started with an agency called Big Fish Results, which I helped help uh, small businesses leveraging the same tools, tactics, and strategies as the best companies. I did this for you know six, seven years. And what I realized is a lot of businesses just don't have the foundation that the big companies do. 
So they want to do SEO and they want to do paid search and want to do Facebook ads and everything else. But many times it's ineffective because they don't have the foundation. The foundation being, you know, knowing exactly who they are, their why, having a strategy, having a plan. These things were just missing. And so two or three years ago, I started a, um, uh, a training company and a coaching company to fill in those gaps because that's really what, that's the biggest difference I've seen between what the best companies do and what the small companies do is they just don't have a plan or a strategy. So you, you've created a, a term around this, to de- democratizing marketing. So right. talk to us a little bit more about that. And then you started to get into you know, the meat of that, but I, I really thought that was a cool name. So, so tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so that really starts from, again, change. So much in this world is driven by change. But if you look at the history of marketing, it's really radically changed over the past you know, 50 years. Forget about the last five years. But you know, 50 years ago, it was very simple. You, you, you get an ad, you put it in the newspaper, boom, you get results. Then things got a little bit more complicated. You place an ad in radio or TV, so broadcast media, you still can get some results. Then all of a sudden, there became more and more shifts. You, know, you had direct mail, you had cable television, everything's getting more fragmented. There's more and more channels, more and more complication. And it's getting more challenging, especially for small businesses. Then before you know it, there's a digital revolution, right? So at this point, you have search engines. So it started off when I started, AltaVista, Lycos, Excite, a bunch of companies that just aren't even around anymore. And the only way to really organize the internet was through those or maybe a directory like Yahoo, which of course isn't around now either. Then all of a sudden you have Google, right? And then things really change and there's more and more data Google becomes tremendously valuable just by being able to organize the world's information, all this data. Then there's another another revolution. You have social media. So now all of a sudden, things are even more complicated because now people are creating the content, not just businesses. So you can create your own content to the point today where you can, you know, you have Instagram and, and instant posting of content. And even to the point now where businesses aren't just competing against uh, other competitors, but they're competing for attention. So now if you go on your phone, it's not just your social media feed. You're, you have Disney on there. You have Netflix, you have Amazon, huge players. And so this is what's caused the problems that the democratizing of marketing has to change. Because right now, things are becoming where it's just the giants. Just look at the news, right? Look at how much Amazon's stock is taking off where everyone else is floundering. So why is that? In terms of marketing, it comes down to really three problems. So this, this marketing revolution caused three main problems, which goes into the democratizing of marketing. Problem number one is what I talked about. There's so much fragmentation. There's a million places you have to be today. Radio and TV was very simple. Now, just on Facebook, there's a million places you could be, a million groups. Then problem number two is that once you get on a channel that works, it's very cluttered. So even if you get on a, on a channel that works, there's so much there. How do you stand out? And then problem number three is if you get past the first two hurdles, the third one a lot of times is a, is a death blow, which is technology. So you have to have pixels, you have to have code, all these things. So the problem is a lot of this knowledge is only available to the biggest companies. So what I want to do, my mission is to democratize it so that knowledge of how to actually work on those three areas is available to the average business. That's democratized marketing. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. 
For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. I love that. And I know we're going to get into that a little bit deeper, but I also know that, that you've built a foundation of expertise around crisis management for your business. And right now we're, we're absolutely in uncertain times. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this because I know this is on so many people's minds. So for, for so many businesses right now, resources, not only money, but time, effort, the kids are in the other room and you know, yeah. needing to be helped with their school. So how does a business, especially a small business, grow if this is something that they're facing? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So what I'll, I'll go back to with that is really the story of my mother. So my, my mother grew up in a time very similar to what we're dealing with today. And so you know, today, of course, we have COVID. Back then, they had the polio epidemic. And so at the age of nine months, my mother contracted polio and was not able to walk until the age of 14. And so growing up, I asked her, how, how were you able to survive that? You know, how do you make it through when literally you had nothing? You, know, you, you were quarantined. You lived in a hospital with children. Couldn't you know, hug your mother. Couldn't see your siblings. You know, they had ventilators, which they called iron lungs back then. So very similar to today. But really, that disease, unfortunately, was focused very much on children. And so... I said to her, how do you, how, what's your secret to resiliency? Like, how are you able to do that? And what I learned always back when I was growing up is, and I apply it to this day, is to break things down. And that's really where the title of my book comes from, Small Steps. Because what, what she did, what she learned through the hospital staff is really to break things down and take small steps. So she couldn't walk at all. Her vision, what her mission was, like what she saw herself doing was to be able to walk in high heels. That was her big goal. Again, you have to think of it as a child. What does a, a grown woman do that you know is wear high heels? She wasn't able to walk, and so they started off with just working in pottery to build up the nervous system, so she got a little bit more strength. Then the next thing they did was they put her in a pool to build up more muscle strength. Finally, to the point where she was able to take some small steps. She was able to walk between poles, and eventually, she was in fact able to wear high heels in her in her teens. And so what I learned from her is really the idea of taking small steps. But how specifically do you do that? Well, really, there's three main things. Number one, you know, need to know what steps to take. Number two, you need to know how to take those steps. And then number three, you have to actively take those steps. And so that's the, the, the pattern that you find in success no matter where, whether it's in life or in business, it's breaking down the steps specifically and starting with the what so many times is what businesses neglect. They go right to the how. How do I do a podcast? How do I do a Facebook? Without first saying, okay, what do I want to accomplish? What's my goal? How am I going to get it there? Which again, going back to what I said, the best companies do, they have a strategy and they have a plan. That's really what the what addresses. So if somebody is starting a business or they're just recently launched one, 
take us through the questions that they should be asking so they can get to the, the how and then the execution? Yeah, so the what really comes down to six factors. There's six factors that I found uni- universally drive growth in any business, regardless of the size, the, the, the vertical it's in, uh, the stage it's in. And those six factors break down into what I call the results loop. So factor number one is what markets are you serving? So who are your clients, your customers, your patients? Factor number two are your offerings, which are the products and services you're providing that market. Uh, factor number three is your value which is why one of those buyers within your market would buy from you as opposed to doing anything else or nothing at all. And then factor number four is how do you grow the number of buyers, new buyers? Factor number five is how do you increase their lifetime value? So how much money they spend with you over the course of their lifetime working with you? And then factor number six is loyalty. How do you get those folks to buy from you again and again and refer you to others? So I'm I'm listening to this. I know everyone else is thinking this. You know how do you, how do you do those things? Yeah, that's a great question. So let me start with uh, factor number one, which is your markets. The first thing you want to do is understand what markets you're serving. And so the best thing to do, and one of the things I always love with Tony Robbins, he he gives the idea of modeling. So like I said, it's always easier to ride a wave instead of creating your own wave. It's also easier to model success as opposed to trying to recreate the wheel. So a lot of times what I advise someone that's starting off is find someone that's doing a good job already and model them or better off, get a mentor. But how do you do that? Well, one place you could start is looking at competitors. I would look at their website and say, okay, what markets are they serving? A lot of times the markets that that someone serves, they're going to put right on their website or in their blog. You can also use tools like competitive intelligence tools. You put some keywords in, you can find what people are actually searching for. Because again, it's easier to fulfill demand instead of creating demand. So find what people actually want. And then finally, one of the best things you can do that every startup should be doing is you want to talk to your customers. So as soon as you get a customer, find out what that customer's attributes are. You know, how much money do they make? Uh, what gender are they? Where do they live? You know, whatever those questions are that are relative to your product, you want to make sure you really identify that and categorize that. That way you can replicate that model of how you attracted them and attract people like that. So you really want to intimately know who your buyer is. That way you can attract others just like them. Well, I love that. And I know in this digital age, that's pretty easy to accomplish just in the form of you know, survey monkey type stuff. So yeah, surveys are another great way. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. So that was number one. Yes. So Let's. Uh, I, I don't think we could do all six in the interest of time, but pick a couple of your other favorites to to share with us. Well, I'll tell you the one that a lot of people neglect is value, and so your growth is relative to the value you provide to your market, and really looking at it in terms of how many people you serve, how big the value is, because the bigger the value, the more money you can make. Uh, so I like to start with value. Once you have your markets defined and what products and services you're going to provide that market, go to value. And so a good way to think about value is there's always an exchange. And so there's a notion out there in marketing called a funnel. And so if you look at the top of the funnel, these are people that don't know who you are. These are people that could be prospects. And your goal is to attract those folks. And a lot of times the exchange of value 
is you're exchanging people's attention for some kind of valuable content, just like we're doing here. I'm sure most of the people on this podcast have never heard of me before, never met me, uh, you know, and we have no history. So what I'm doing is providing some of my best content in exchange for someone listening to me for however long this is. So that's the first stage of value. The second stage of value is exchanging many times contact information for even more valuable information. So this is where you know maybe you have a guide, you have something downloadable, maybe it's a video, whatever that content is, you're exchanging the prospect's contact information for what you provide them at, in terms of more valuable content or access to something. And then the last stage of value is exchanging most of the time money for an end result. So that's why every company I have has the word result in it or results. Because at the end of the day, what someone's buying is not your product or service, but they're buying the end result that that product or service delivers. So the exchange is you're getting money in exchange for them getting that, that result. And the best way to think about it is can you give them a 10x return for the money they're providing? Then you're going to grow very organically and quickly without as much effort as if you, you didn't have these pieces in place. And that's why it's so important to know your buyer so intimately and the products and services you're, you're going to provide them. I'm already digging this, uh, you know, this, this basic breakdown of what's going on in small steps grow profits. And that was that results loop that you spoke of. That was step one that businesses need to walk to. Let's, let's take a dive into step two. Yes. Yeah, so step two is the offerings that, the pro, that you're providing to that market. And so what you want to think about, and, and let me put it this way, because we talked a lot about startups, but a situation a lot of people are in is how do you adapt? Or another, you know, the fancy business term is how do you pivot? So given these days, how do you pivot? Well, what you want to look at is, are you serving the right market? But once you define that, you want to look at your products and services, and your, which I call offerings, and say, okay, are they priced appropriately? So if people can't afford it, can you go up market and maybe charge more? Or if they can't, if that's not a good fit, can you go down market and maybe break it down? So one of the things I did, I have a $2,000 course that I teach a lot of these principles, but sometimes people can't afford that in this market. So what I did was I repackaged it to be a, uh, a, a monthly uh, group coaching that's only like $97. So I'm taking the same con- content, but doing it at a much lower price and doing it over time. So really your product and service mix is how you can adapt to the environment you're in. And this, you know, so many businesses are doing a great job with this. I mean, some restaurants are turning into drive-throughs. You know, I've seen one that's done a movie theater. You know, it's how you change your product and services to your market is very, very important because that's going to, again, determine how you're providing value. It's, the, it's a mechanism to give them the value that you want to provide because that's how you're going to grow. And I, and I know the, the obvious answer here is when your costs outweigh the income coming in in terms of how do you know when a business is in trouble. But there's other more subtle signs that we need to be aware of. So what are some of those that we could be thinking about? Yeah. So I think of it very simply. So there's two things that you want to take in mind with a business. Number one, how much money you have, which is your profit. And number two, when is that money coming in, which is your cash flow. So really how much and when. Those are the two big drivers. So what you want to think about is if your profits are constricting, you know what can you do to mitigate that? Maybe that's reducing your expenses. So maybe you have to look at your credit card statements and see if there's something you can cut. 
Can you eliminate certain uh, contractors, et cetera? And then the cash flow is when is it coming in? So you want to speed up your receivables. So you want to get paid faster. And you do that, of course, by making sure people are paying you on time, ideally collecting money up front. And uh, one of the best practices I learned with working with ADP, for instance, was uh, recurring revenue. Can you get money coming in month after month on an automatic billing? That's kind of the best in class way to handle that. And on the flip side for cash flow is how do you delay paying out? So is there a way to negotiate with your suppliers to say, can I pay you a month later? That's going to give you a lot of um, you know, flexibility. I know, you know I saw in your notes here before or on uh, your show, you had Michael McAllowitz. He's probably <laughs> the best guy in the world to talk about it. So I, I go check out that episode because uh, he's, you know, he's amazing. But uh, that's how I think about it is really uh, how much is it and when is it coming in? Okay. No, that's that's good stuff. Uh, and we'll have the link if you miss Mike McCallowitz's episode in the in the show notes to him. Uh, so I want to I want to ask you when you decided to write this book, what was the impetus for doing it, and, and why now? I think now is the time because so many businesses are struggling, and it's really funny because when I started this, it was really to help businesses really get unstuck. And originally, I was thinking about it, like how to get unstuck to scale. But then when this pandemic hit, I, I really reframed it to be how do you become more resolute in these times. And that's also when I added my mother's story. Because that whole story, the polio story, wasn't even in the original version of my book. I totally rewrote it and put that story in to deal with a time such as what we're going through now. It's interesting. So the coronavirus really helped kind of reshape that book. Absolutely, because we were actually launching this book in March of, of earlier this year. And right before we launched, um, it, everything changed. So I said, you know what, based on the current environment and where things are going, I got to rewrite it because I want to serve people where they're at today. And that's, that's how, it, how I delayed the launch. That's amazing. The book is Small Steps Grow Profits. Correct. It is available everywhere today. Yes, yes. Fantastic. And uh, I know we talked a little bit before we started recording here that you've got something that you'd like to give away to everybody listening to this today. Yes. So uh, a lot of the best things I've talked about today and that are in my book, uh, I have available for free on my website because I want everyone to have access to information regardless of whether you get the book or the course or anything. I really want to help people. And that's available at smallstepsmanifesto.com. It's a manifesto where I share kind of all, all these stories and lessons I've learned. So it's called Small Steps Manifesto and it's available at smallstepsmanifesto.com. And we'll have everything Tony Guarnaccia in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com so we get you covered if you're on the bike. Well, Tony, this has been a really cool and insightful and timely interview as I knew that it would be. As you know, I ask everybody who comes on this show their biggest helping. What is your biggest helping, Tony? That one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things I learned working with the best companies, but really before that, one thing I didn't mention was when I was in college and I was studying uh, business, I was also, believe it or not, a music major. And so I was a, I still am a violinist. Uh, and when I was at the conservatory, I wanted to just kind of blow through the music. You know, I wanted to learn some difficult... So I was learning, for instance, the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. It's a very difficult piece. And, you know, it's got a lot of notes, a lot going on. And my teacher told me something that I also use to this day. 
which is to be able to play, you have to slow down to speed up. And so many times we want to just jump right into things. And what I found in business is that in life, even that usually costs time, effort, and money. You know, how many times have we hired the wrong person, done the wrong advertising, you know, made bad investments? A lot of times it's because we jump in without actually thinking it through and planning it out. And so just like I learned with music, you have to slow down to speed up. So that'd be my, my big tip. That's fantastic. So look before you leap, certainly. Sound advice. Tony, I know you just said the URL. Tell us again where people could find you online. Sure. You can go to smallstepsgrowprofits.com uh, or my manifesto is at uh, smallstepsmanifesto.com. And don't forget to check out Tony's book, Small Steps Grow Profits, available everywhere. Tony, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great having you. A lot of great value and and insights that you shared with us today. Thank you. It was absolutely my pleasure. I had a really great time. Thanks. Awesome. Well, that was fun. Thank you to Tony. And thanks to each and every one of you who chose to listen to this episode. If you like what you heard, go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that's what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today, do something nice for somebody else and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. 